Hallelujah. You know, I was just thinking about it, meditating on it. I don't know if God would recognize himself in the modern church today. I don't know if he would say that's a picture there because we're supposed to be a reflection of him. I don't know that he would recognize his reflection. We have to be very careful. There's so much. The devil is not an idiot. The devil is not stupid. He knows what he's doing. He's a lot of things, but an idiot and stupid is not one of them. If he was able to deceive uh, two people who were created in the likeness and image of God without any sin, then he is the devil, a deceiver, and he's going around in this present age trying to deceive people. But you and I, we've decided that we're not going to be deceived because we're going to know the truth, which is the word of God. And the truth will set you free. So today, I do my best not to preach against something. I remember one of my, my elder brother, my big brother, Mark Brzee, said something to us one time to me. He said, don't preach against something, preach for something. And so the word of God is the truth. And so I'm going to try to get you the word of God. Because we can't control what's going on everywhere else. But we can control what's going on in this room. And we can control what's going on in our life. We just don't want the world and the world, uh, the spirit of this age to get into our church and to our life. And so really we're not preaching anything different than we've been preaching for 30 some odd years. I haven't, and I hope you understand what I'm getting ready to say, but, but, but we have to get back to the basics of the word of God because the reality of God is the only thing that's going to change your life. It's the only thing that's going to change your neighbor's life. It's the only thing that's going to change your coworker's life. If you want to change a city, if you want to change a nation, you got to get people a new nature. And when you get them a new nature, getting them born again, and then in our, it's got to be an emphasis again. We've got to get people filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Ghost and fire, the reality of God. And then we've got to teach them, disciple them. The, the word of God didn't say go make Christians. I love what Pastor Robert preached last week. He didn't say go make Christians. That's what the world called us. He said go make disciples. He said go make disciples. And, and so that's a whole different thing. And so as a disciple, I am created in his likeness and in his image. And as the church, I'm supposed to reflect something. And, and so uh, are you ready to reflect something? I went, God, when he looks at my life, when he looks at your life, I'm not talking about being perfect. Aren't you glad that you live in the dispensation of grace? But grace doesn't mean you get to live anyway and do anything you want to do. Amen. The, I'll just throw this at you. Grace teaches us not to sin. I don't want to be an adulterer or an adulterer. That's a male. You don't want to be an adulteress. Having, you know, the spirit of this world. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. So what we talked about is the real God is the God who still answers by fire. He did it in the old covenant and he did it in the new covenant. The real God still delivers. He did it in the old covenant when he delivered Daniel, when he delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he has delivered and he does deliver and he will always deliver you. 
Hallelujah. The real God still delivers. And then this was a big one to me because of what I, I was on my life. The real God still answers prayers. He said, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, repent. He said, he would hear from heaven and he would change the nation. He would, but it's got to be in prayer. And remember I said today, people make fun of, make light of prayer. But this is what I know. This is the confidence that I have in him. That if I ask anything according to his will, I know that he hears me. I know that he hears me. I know that he hears me. And if I know that he hears me, then I know that I have the petitions that I've desired of him. Amen. Amen. Come on. Prayer is important. Come to on the wall tonight. Pray. Amen. The, the only, the, 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 there's more to prayer than the prayer of faith. You need to know that one. But there's corporate prayer, that united prayer. There's praying things through. There's praying in the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the ability to pray. And then you remember we took communion together. The real God is a covenant keeper. The real God is a covenant keeper. And he still keeps his covenant today. Remember when the children of Israel, they were all messed up and they called on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What was that? That's covenant. And remember the Passover meal. They were supposed to take it as a covenant, as a reminder that God brought them out with silver and gold. and There was none sick or feeble among them. They were supposed to rehearse it. They were supposed to remember what God had done for them. Humanity is so easily, we, we, we so forget so quickly about what God has done. And that's why Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. How many of you know that Jesus is the Lamb of God? He who knew no sin became sin. Amen. His body was beaten so that you could be healed. Hallelujah. His blood was shed so that you can have access to the throne room of God, so that your sins could be forgiven. Hallelujah. Thank God. The real God is a covenant-keeping God, and you have a new and better covenant. Come on, you have a new, come on, it didn't say we're never supposed to read the old covenant. The new covenant shows us examples from the old covenant. We get our examples from there. And what are you supposed to understand? God is an awesome God in the old covenant. But that awesome God is still the God of the new covenant. Come on, if he did it in the old, he's going to do it in the new because we have a new and better. It didn't say new and worser. You have a new and worser covenant. I'm sorry when you look in the old covenant and see the almighty God, but he's not available today. That's not what it says. <clears throat> Amen. And if the early church is what the latter church is supposed to look at, if the book of Acts church is what we're supposed to be looking like, we got some learning to do. We got some things to get back to. Amen. Today, this is my title. The real God manifests himself. The religious one never shows up. The real God manifests himself. The religious one never shows up. And if you make him into a religious God, you don't expect him to do anything. You just go through the motions. You pray, expect no results. You show up, worship him, you don't expect his presence. He's just become natural, a figurehead. He might as well be an idol to most people. But you and I serve a living God who has made promises to us. He's alive. Jesus got up from the grave. 
He's real. He's alive. This is not a religious activity. People say, you're very religious. I'm not religious. I try not to be. I have a relationship with the living God. I'm born again. I'm a son of the most high God. Jesus is my elder brother, my heir. I mean, he's my, I'm an heir with him and a joint heir with him. Come on. Th- th- and we're supposed to be reflecting that image into the world. Let's just do this real quick. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration. Everybody say demonstration. So when the word of God is preached, what should happen? What should happen? Occasionally. When it's preached, there should be a demonstration. Doesn't mean we're always running around the room. Doesn't mean we're swinging from the chandeliers or rolling the floor, which I'm not opposed to. But we're not just putting that stuff on. Some people, some people put that stuff on. Don't, be a, don't put that on. That's in response to the Holy Ghost. But there's supposed to be a demonstration. In other words, if the word of God is preached, there ought to be a demonstration. You preach on peace, peace ought to come. You, pe- you preach on healing, healing ought to be there. You preach on prosperity, prosperity ought to come. You, you preach on obedience, we ought to obey. There's a demonstration. Everybody say demonstration. Of the spirit and power. Verse 5, why? That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. It's, well, I thought it was supposed to be in the word of God. Yes, but the word of God always produces something. So it's not saying something different. My faith rests in the word of God. But if I have real faith, then I'm expecting a demonstration. I'm expecting to see what I believe for. I see it in my heart and I have it, but there ought to be a demonstration. There ought to be a demonstration. There ought to be an answer. There ought to be a demonstration. But my faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And then we looked at 1 Thessalonians 1, 5 through 6. 1 Thessalonians 1, for our gospel. What's the gospel? The good news. Aren't you glad for the gospel? It came not unto you in word only. Came not in word only. Everything that's just word only is not gospel. If you go to church and nothing happens, it's word only. It's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. The gospel came unto you in, not in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. You can't leave the Holy Ghost out. If you leave the Holy Ghost out, there is no power. There is no demonstration of the word. The same Holy Ghost that hovered, that brooded over the face of the earth when God was talking. The, Jesus made it and the Holy Ghost manifested it. Same Holy Ghost. Same Holy Ghost. Jesus didn't do any mighty works till the Holy Ghost came upon him. Everybody say Holy Ghost. Ghost. I thought we were supposed to say Spirit. Holy Ghost. Or Holy Spirit. Same, same. I grew up with the Holy Ghost. And in much assurance that you would know what man. They should be able to tell that we're believers. Yes, by love. But there's a demonstration in our life. There's some power in our life. When we speak the word of God, things happen. When we walk into a room, peace comes. There's a demonstration. Our life is a demonstration of who the Father is and what Jesus has done. Come on, there ought to be a demonstration. There ought to be a demonstration. We've had that for 30 years. But, you know, I'm kind of like, you remember King David? 
I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's okay. King David, remember when the Ark of the Covenant was lost, he went and got it. Now, he, he tried to bring the presence of God. What is Ark of Covenant? Gather presence of God. He tried to bring it in. He didn't study up on it. He had a lot of zeal. He, he was a man, you know, David, a man after God's own heart. He was trying to get the presence of God back to where it belonged. He didn't do it right. And I remember when the first time I read it, you know, and when, remember when the cart uh, started to go unsteady and Uzzah reached out his hand and Uzzah died and David was like, oh, this is wrong. And, and, but, but remember then when he learned what to do. And it was a big, thank God we don't live in the old covenant, but every six or so steps they had to stop and make a sacrifice. That's a long time to get the presence of God back to where it goes. But all the way in, he was dancing in the presence of the Lord. Remember that? Listen, if you can dance in the type, you ought to be able to respond to God in the real. I'm not talking about a fleshly display. I'm talking about responding to God. And remember his wife. She said, don't you look a fool. The king out there dancing. And he said, baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. So, see, I, I don't know where they're all going, but I'm not drawing away. I'm not going to draw away from the presence of God. I'm not going to back up from the presence of God. I'll just tell you all, baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. Hallelujah. We're, we're going to respond. I'm not talking about putting on a show. I'm not talking about just doing things to do things. I'm talking about responding to God. Because when you preach the word of God, he comes. All right. So my review always ends up taking way more time than I think. But let's talk about the real God versus the religious God and his presence. In the old covenant, um, remember, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time with this, but in Exodus chapter 13, it talks about, uh, so the, the cloud, remember, the children of Israel came out. There was a cloud by day. So Exodus 13, 21, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them in the way, and at night in a pillar of fire to give them light. To, to, uh, so he led them day and night. So in the Old Testament, God manifested his presence in a cloud. He let them know, under a lesser covenant, he let them know he was there. His presence was there to guide them. Come on, his presence was there to guide them. You need the Holy Spirit, his presence, which lives on the inside of you, to guide you. He, he, he guides you by day, he guides you by night. And then let's look at this in Exodus chapter 14. Again, I don't think I'm going to read everything, but maybe here, it just talks some more about... Um, uh, Exodus 14, 19 through 20. I've really never preached on this one, but I sure love this one a lot. Exodus 14, 19 and 20. And the angel of God went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar, I'm, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the real God. This is what the real God for those that are in covenant with. Are you in covenant with him? Do you have a relationship with him? Are you his child? If he did this for the people in the old covenant, do you think he might do this for you? See, that's the problem most people don't know. But faith begins where the will of God is known. The God of the old covenant is still the God of the new covenant, only we have better promises. And Jesus took all the penalty. And Jesus took all the penalty. And he took all the curse. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. <laughs> and the pillar of the cloud went from before their faces and stood behind them. What happened? I guess the enemy was getting too close. And so the an angel and the cloud went behind it. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of the Israel. Uh-oh, you ain't, you ain't touching my people. You're not touching my people. I've delivered them out of the world. I've delivered them from you. And you can't have them. You can't touch them. And it was a cloud of darkness to them. How did it appear? It appeared different to them. Because they're not in covenant. They're not, it, appear, it appeared different to them. 
Don't, don't get all upset when they don't understand what we understand. Because until you get born again, you couldn't understand. I remember a man, a friend of mine, he, uh, he was in church. He was a sound man at this church, and I loved him. Um, he was nice to me. He was good to me, helped me in the ministry. But one time he said to me, when I read that book, so I knew we had a problem when he called it that book. When I read the Bible, when I read that book, I don't understand it. And I said, well... I, had a, I knew what was up. Even though he'd been hanging out, he'd never been born again. And you know what happened? He got born again. And I remember him telling me later, I understand. I understand the word of God now. Amen? They don't understand. But that shouldn't mess you up because before you got born again, before you got filled with the Holy Ghost, before you got illumination, you didn't understand it either. So it doesn't, shouldn't bother you they don't understand. And we're not going to conform to their non-understanding. So God went between them, and it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. It was a cloud of darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these so that the one came not near the other all night. So that, that presence protected them. There's protection in the presence of God, the manifest presence of God. And then what happened was next then, we're talking about the power and the presence of God. It's the same. The real God is powerful. The real God demonstrates himself in his presence. So then what happened? Remember Moses stretched forth his hand and, an e and the wind came all night and divided on either side and the children of Israel went up. But I want you to see this part. Y'all remember that, right? Y'all saw the movie, right? You, you understand what happened, right? In verse 23, and the Egyptians pursued. The enemy, the world pursued them and went in after them in the midst of the sea. Even all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass. Everybody say it came to pass. Does God's word always come to pass? That in the morning... Watch the Lord, <laughs> that in the morning, watch the Lord looked into the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire. So God started looking at them through the fire. No, there's this cloud and this pillar of fire and God turns his eyes on the enemy. Now watch this. And of the cloud and it troubled, <laughs> it troubled them. And it troubled the host of the Egyptians, and it took off their chariot wheels. What? How could that be? I don't know. I don't care, but it happened. The chariot wheels started falling off because God was looking at them. And that drove them heavily. I guess they were driving them into the ground. So the Egyptians said, uh, let's get out of here because the Lord is fighting for them. I'm not, I'm telling, listen to me. The Lord's not just fighting for you. He has fought for you and he has won. He's not fighting for you anymore. He's fought for you. He is seated at the right hand and he has won. He's not fighting for you anymore. He has fought for you. He has fought for you. He has already fought for you. Yeah, the battle's the Lord because it's over. In the new covenant, the battle's over. The victory has, Pastor, I got all these problems, but the victory has already been won because Jesus has fought for you. Because Jesus has fought for you. Because Jesus has fought for you, and there's supposed to be a demonstration of that in your life. Hallelujah. Let's get out of here, they said, because the Lord's fighting for them. And then you know what happened? Then Moses turned around, stretched his hand over it, and, and they, all the enemy drowned. And then but verse 29, it says, the children of Israel walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, uh, and there was water on the right and left. 
And thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared or reverenced the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. What does a demonstration of power do? It brings reverence to God. It brings honor to God. And it causes the people to say, he is God. He's the living God. Is, it, is that the same God you serve? Amen. Then you take the same thing. Remember the children of Israel. We're talking about the presence of God. So they took the, Joshua was instructed by the Lord to take up the Ark of the Covenant, the gathered presence of God. Made by man's hand, but God decided to live there and dwell in there. And everywhere that Ark went, things happened. And in Joshua chapter 3, verses 10 through 17, not going to look at it, but remember, as soon as the priest put their, the 12 of them, representing each tribe, put their foot in, in the Jordan at flood stage, it did what? It divided again. It divided again, and they were able to go over into Jericho on dry ground. What did that? The manifestation of the presence of God. There ought to be a demonstration. God has always been and will always be a demonstrator of his word. He told Joshua the word of the Lord. Joshua acted on the word of the Lord, and there was a demonstration. We get surprised when God does what he said. We should be more surprised than when it doesn't happen. You and I don't get good at, well, I don't understand what happened. No, the word of God always works. Faith in God always works. Faith in God always works. There's a demonstration. Everybody say, he's a demonstrator. Hallelujah. And in verse 10 of Joshua 3, Joshua 3.10, it says that he could demonstrate that there was a living God among them. Joshua 3.10. It says this. It says, and Joshua said, hereby you shall know. You're going to know. Come on. Do you know that God is living? I know you received him, but living means he's active in our lives. And he's still demonstrating. The real God demonstrates. The religious one does nothing. I'm going to say, is he one? No, he's the real one. What am I saying, though? We have to be careful that the church and religion doesn't get on us and we expect nothing from him. We don't expect him to do what he says. We don't expect him to show up. We don't expect him to demonstrate. That is so contrary to who God is. I know in the modern church, they get all upset when somebody falls under the power. Or they get all upset when we speak in other tongues. They get all upset when someone rejoices and rejoices in things. They get all upset when God blesses someone. They get all upset with all that stuff. But that means they're upset with the real God. And, and let them get upset. I know who he is. Do you know who he is? He's the living God. So that ever he demonstrated, so once again, that they will know. Hereby you shall know that the living God is among you. And he's about to drive out all the ites in front of you. Hallelujah. And the gathered presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, is what did it. And he did that as a demonstration. His presence will go before you. Now thank God that his presence went before them. Oh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Thank God for the presence of God. Oh, and I like this one. You like, anybody heard about the falling of Dagon? I like that one. I, I just love that one so much. Let's just look at that one. Let's slow down and look at it because I just think it's cool. 
1 Samuel 5. I want to see the video of this. I, you know, like they make a movie and then they make a behind the scenes movie because we don't get to see it. But I want a camera in the room when this happened. And the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant, you know, um, and that was a shame that they got it, but they did. They had the Ark of the Covenant. And when the Philistines took the Ark of the God, because, you know, they're not used to anything happening. They're, they don't understand the power of God. They don't understand the presence of God. They worship false idols. They've never seen their God answered by fire. They're just used to false idols. And so the Philistines took the Ark of God and brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when they uh, of the Ashdod arose early in the morning, behold, uh, Dagon had fallen. Well, I got good news. The devil has fallen. Dagon, that sounds like a movie title. Dagon has fallen upon his face to the earth. In other words, he just didn't fall. His face that was on the idol fell right in front of the Ark of the Covenant. And so they were like, huh, wind must have got in here. So they propped him back up. And so there would be no mistake about what was happening. There's no mistake that Jesus has won the victory. There should be no mistaking that Jesus is alive. There should be no mistaking that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so this is what happened here. Dagon was fallen upon his face of the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon, now, you know, I can see if the idol fell and the head fell off. And, kind of, you know, maybe it was kind of a flimsy little neck head on the wood or whatever. And the neck head. But this next part leaves, I, I don't know what happened. Angels came. And both the palms of his hands were cut off. And only a stump was left. Well, having spoiled principalities and powers. Jesus made a show of him openly, triumphing, triumphing over him, the devil. Come on, if the presence of God could do this to an idol and, and just to show that he's God, come on, his presence did that. And the devil is a defeated foe. And anything the devil brings to you, anything the devil brings to me, we know that we have the victory over it. Come on, hallelujah. He made a show of the devil openly, triumphing over him in it, in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Hallelujah. God's presence is real. And then I talked to you about, you know, uh, in 2 Samuel, the presence of God, what, there should be a demonstration. Anytime the presence of God comes, there's a demonstration. So remember the first time, like I was telling you, David was trying to attempt to get the ark from the Philistines back to its rightful place, but he didn't study. And he didn't realize the power of the presence of God. Now remember, this is Old Covenant. And so remember when Uzzah stretched forth his hand, it struck him down. And so they decided, we can't take this in. So King David decided to leave it at Obed-Edom's house. Remember that? <laughs> And, and you look at 2 Samuel chapter 6. <clears throat> and so David, verse 10, David re didn't remove the ark of the Lord into the city of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. 
And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. So where the presence of God is, there ought to be a manifestation of blessing on your life. Again, Pastor Robert, don't, don't argue about the blessing. Thank God for it. It's a manifestation of the presence of God in your life. And it was told King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom. And all that pertain, come on, just didn't bless him financially. It blessed him, pertained all that pertained to him. Every, come on, all that pertained to him. Everything that pertained to him, the Lord blessed it. Woo! Why? As a manifestation of his presence. When the manifest presence of God is in, in demonstration, as God is confirming his word, this is the Ark of the Covenant. In an old covenant, we have a new covenant established on better promises, and Obed-Edom just happened to get the Ark of the Covenant. And don't you know on that day, he was sad to see the Ark go. Come on, the Lord will perfect everything that concerns you. The blessing of the Lord is there. Amen? Hallelujah. I mean, when the Lord is in manifestations, you can look at 2 Chronicles chapter 5, when they were dedicating the temple. When the, the presence of God is in manifestation, you can see it. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 5.14, we'll look at that one. It says, you remember, they're all in unity in one accord, saying, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Then the cloud came in. Same cloud that led them. The presence of God came in. It says, so the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. That is what it means. In other words, they couldn't stand up in the presence of God. People wonder today when we lay hands on people and they fall under the power. Oh, that you're pushing them down. No, the presence of God is real. People don't have to fall down, but sometimes they do. But why do people get upset about it? It means they don't know the real God. How people, pastor, people fake that all the time. So people wear fake cologne, but I'm still going to wear the real stuff. Come on, ladies. People wear those fake diamonds, and sometimes you can't tell, but I know you prefer the real ones. In order for there to be something fake, there got to first be something real for it to copy. That's why religion is a copy of God, but there's no power in it. God has always been a God of power, and he is love. He is holy, but he's got some power. He's the almighty God. And even in the old covenant, when they were in his presence, the priests could not stand up under the power of God. Hallelujah. Same thing happened in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And when Solomon made an end of his praying, fire came down from heaven, consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. Everybody say, the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because of the Lord's glory. Because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. So in other words, now they were offering these sacrifices. They were trying to get in the house, and a cloud came so much so they couldn't get through it. First time it knocked them down, they couldn't stand up. Second time, the, the presence of God is real. And if it's real in the old covenant, it's more real in the new covenant. Amen. Come on, I know who I'm talking to, and I know you're the choir here. You believe in this, but we can't just believe in it on paper. We, got, we, 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 need, we need to see this, and we need to see it more, not just in church, in our lives. 
in our lives, wherever we go. First Kings, first Kings, eight eleven. Now this subject gets me pumped. If you've been around here for thirty years, or you've been here a long time, you know I love preaching on the glory. First Kings eight eleven. It says, so, well, verse 10, it says, And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. So this happens on, a, on occasion. It may not happen every time they did it, but as they offered sacrifices, the glory would come. And when the glory would come, they, you know, it either knocked them out. Well, you know, you can't, that's not happening in the New Testament. Well, I mean, when they came to get Jesus, it's not my it's not my notes. But remember when they came to get Jesus, and like he's like, "Who y'all looking for?" And they said, "Jesus of Nazareth." Now, if you read it in the King James, it says, "I am He." They added the word "He" to make you understand it better. But what he said was, "I am." And they all fell down. They all fell out. When he said, I am. Because that's who he was going back to. Now, shoot. I don't know if you understand. He was about ready to go back to the I am. He had laid aside his deity. But that was a, a presentation of who's about to come. I know the King James says, I am he. But he literally said, I am. Because he am the great I am. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when he said, I am, they all fell out. Hallelujah. They all fell out. Hallelujah. Well, what about Moses? Anybody remember Moses? How about when he went up to receive the Big Ten? I'm not talking about the sports conference. I'm talking about the Ten Commandments. He came down, and he was shining like a light bulb. And they couldn't behold, they couldn't look at him. So he put a veil over his face. What did that? Forty days in the glory. Remember, he used to communicate to God face to face. I believe that glory was so powerful that it changed a man named Joshua, the son of Nun. Because that was Moses' servant. And you can read in a place where after the, the Moses, who was the only one that could do it at the time, met with God face to face, that Joshua hang out in the afterglow. And that afterglow, that little bit of the presence of God, the residue of what remained changed Joshua so much that it gave him a spirit of faith. What is the spirit of faith? It's not just believing something. It's expecting to see something. It's, you know, there's nothing wrong with feeling God. He's alive. We don't live by feelings. But when you believe something, there, the feelings, the, the power is going to show up on the scene. Hallelujah. So Moses met with God face to face. His glory was real. It, so what am I talking about? I'm talking about how the presence of God, the power of God changes things. The gathered presence of God, it caused them to walk across the Jordan on dry ground. The presence of God filled the temple and the priests were not able to stand. The presence of God came and, and I didn't go on to read, but then the people began to fall on their face and they began to praise God and they began to shout unto God. 
The presence of God produces a demonstration. It always has and it should today. Amen. What about us? What about us? Well, you pull over in the New Testament. Then God began to deal with us individually. How many of you know that, um, that on the day of Pentecost, they were all gathered in prayer and suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. And the Bible says cloven tongues of fire set on each one of them. Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Ghost and fire. Amen. And they were all, how many? They were all. I don't know where you're at in this room, but if someone ever taught you the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues is just for a few people, you've been fed a bunch of baloney. The truth of the matter is, if you're born again, you're a candidate and you ought to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Who's right? Is Jesus always right? Is Jesus always right? This is not my notes either, but how many know Jesus is always right? I get so tired of people telling Jesus he's not right. Making up their own doctrine, making up their own way. Jesus said it's in red. So even what religious people have done is they've all, a lot of modern translations, they leave out Mark 6, 15 through 20. But this is part of the Bible. The truth of the matter is this, that he said, these fine signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. How many of you know that still happens? Everybody shout Jesus. And they shall, not they might, not they might hope to, but a believer, they shall, they shall, they shall. The reason the church is so weak is because the shall has been taken away. It is not salvation, but it is important. What would the devil love? A weak and wimpy New Testament church who has no experience of the power of God. Yes, salvation is the well that springs up to everlasting life, and you need that well. But Jesus said, out of your belly, out of your belly, out of your belly, out of your spirit, there shall be rivers of living water. And that's not just for you. That's for everybody around you. And you need a river flowing out of you. We live in a dry and a parched land, and they need the river of God. And you and I are their answer. We're not supposed to be adding to the problem. We are their solution. And their solution is they're dry, they're undone, and they need a river. Because everywhere that river goes, Jesus is the source of that river. Revelations tells us that. And everything that river touches, life comes. There's healing in it. Don't get me started. (laughs) Come on, such a, such a detriment to the body of Christ. No, it's not for everybody. I grew up that speaking in other tongues was from the devil, so I had a long way to come from. But in the modern church, it's an option. It's not for everybody. It's not important. Jesus said believers shall. That's not an option. Well, I tried. Well, quit trying and believe. And every Sunday morning, you can get filled with the Holy Ghost. We have trained uh, people who can get you filled with the Holy Ghost. I've had hands laid on me a thousand times. Well, 1,001 will do the deal. And they'll walk you through it. Amen. Okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God. The presence of God is real. 
But what did he get open? But the gateway, the door, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the new covenant. You must be filled. It's not going to keep you out of heaven, but it'll keep you out of walking in victory and power here on the earth. It's not going to keep you out of heaven. But if heaven's been offered to you, why not take all of it? Why not take all of it? Well, I've had trouble. We got a book. Lord, I got to hurry. We got a book. Brother Hagen. You, you remember when Elvis released a song after his death? Brother Hagen released a book after he went home to be with the Lord. They compiled it from all his teachings. It's called The Upper Room. And it says, and the reason I know he didn't do the title because he would never say this. Everything you ever wanted to know about speaking other tongues, he just wouldn't, because he would never say it's everything. But it really is everything. And uh, if you, you need to get it. If you're not filled with the Holy Ghost or you had trouble, you get that book, you read that book. Then you come see one of my prayer workers and get filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? 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 Amen. Yeah, but, no but. You shall. You shall. Well, if I don't, can I still come here? You can come here forever, but you shall. <laughs> Just keep hanging around. And if you don't understand it, get some revelation, but you shall. So individually, the presence of God, the gateway, the door is you getting filled with the Holy Ghost. The well of salvation springs up to everlasting life. But Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And this he spoke of the Spirit that was yet to come. How many know that Jesus went away so the Holy Ghost could come? Amen. And then what else are we supposed to be seeing? Well, uh, the gifts of the Spirit. What, the presence of God. The nine gifts of the Spirit. Are they supposed to be a manifestation? Yes. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The three vocal gifts. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy. The three revelation gifts. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. The power gift. Gifts of healings, a working of miracles, a gift of special faith. Those should be in demonstration today. Amen. All throughout the book of Acts, there was signs, wonders, and miracles. Come on, the glory of the latter house is supposed to be greater than the glory of the former house. Jesus is coming for a glorious church. And people will say, well, that's all been done away with because the last apostle's dead. Well, I got good news, the last apostle's not dead. But even greater than that, Jesus is not dead. The Holy Ghost is not dead. And Father is still alive. And if Father was doing it in the old... Seven out of the nine manifestations of the Holy Ghost were operating in the Old Covenant. Seven of the nine. The only new for our dispensation is tongues and interpretation of tongues, which is the same as prophecy. All these have always worked. He's not dead. He's still alive. These began to work in Jesus' life when the Holy Ghost came on him. Same Holy Ghost. Same power, same manifestations, same glory, but supposed to be greater. So when we come to church or as a believer, we ought to be seeing the demonstrations of God. What am I trying to do? What's God trying to do? What's the Holy Ghost trying to do? Get you stirred up. Come on, don't lean to the religion of the day. 
Don't lean to, um, to worldly thinking of who God is. Don't ever let a politician tell you who God is. You know him. You need to be demonstrating his good. All right. Hallelujah. Well, if that glory in the old covenant is in the new covenant, prove that. Well, 1 Corinthians 3.16 and 6.19 says you are now the temples of the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. So what was the Ark of the Covenant? It's the gathered presence of God. What did God say? I have decided, God said, no longer to live in things made live in. Manifest myself in, show up in, things made by men's hands. The Ark of the Covenant was made from a prototype of heaven, but made from men's hands. The temple, the old covenant where God came, was made as a type and a shadow of heaven, but made by men's hands. God came there. But he said, in this new and better covenant, I'm no longer going to live manifest myself in things made. This building is not the church. You're the church. I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. Now, if you begin to meditate on that, all of God moved into you. And everything the ark did in the old covenant is now living on the inside of you. That's why the Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's not just a catchy saying. He's trying to get you to realize God lives in you. Smith Wigglesworth, who raised many people up from the dead, the, uh, people say he said this, or in his book he said this, I look in the mirror every day and I point to the man that I see and I say, God lives in that man. <clears throat> point to yourself and say, God lives in me. I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. Now, all you're not, you're not supposed to just carry him around. You're supposed to let him out. There's a river in you trying to get out. Why is it all dammed up? Hallelujah. Same power. Same God. New and better covenant. You're the temple. Hallelujah. Can you pull up 2 Corinthians 3? We're going to read this real fast out of the New Living. I put New Living and Amplified in case I got there and I had extra time, but I knew I wouldn't. The old way, with laws etched in stone, led to death. Though it began with such glory. Everybody shout glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face, for his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. <clears throat> Shouldn't we expect far greater? Shouldn't we expect, Paul by the Holy Ghost is saying, hey church, expect. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way? Now that the Holy Spirit is giving life, Everybody say greater glory. If the old ways which bring condemnation was glorious, how much more? Everybody say more glorious. 
how much more glorious is the new way? So anything they experience is less compared to what we ought to be experiencing. Wow, I wish I lived in the old covenant. Man, I bet every one of them is waiting to talk to you because they saw the glory of God. They want to ask you a question. What was it like? What was it like to have God live on you, in you on the earth? What was it like to have the greater one in you? We saw him out here, but he lived in you. How much more glorious is the new way, which makes us right with God? Verse 10. In fact, the first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming, everybody say overwhelming, glory that is of the new way. So if the old way which was replaced was glorious, how much more glorious, everybody say more glory, is the new which remains forever. Since the new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. Verse 13, we are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory. In other words, they put, he put a veil so they couldn't see. We're supposed to let him see, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's mind were hardened to this day. Whatever the old covenant is read, the same veil covers their minds so they can understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by the believing in Christ. Verse 15, yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts cover with that veil and they do not understand. Verse 16, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, that veil is taken away. Verse 17, for the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So the manifest presence of God that lives on the inside of you when it's manifest, come on, we are all lively stones gathered together to build a house of habitation for our God. So all of us who have the veil removed can see and reflect. You're supposed to be reflecting the glory of the Lord. Come on, church, we're supposed to reflect the glory of the Lord. We're supposed to reflect the almightiness of God. We're supposed to reflect the healer. We're supposed to reflect the provider. We're supposed to reflect the Savior. We're supposed to reflect the one who is power, who is the Spirit that makes us more like Him. And we are changed into His glorious image. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, was the old covenant powerful? presence of God showed up and the priest couldn't even stand to minister. It's, it's a small thing when people fall out under the power of God now. Come on, there, there should be uh, such to the thing that the manifest presence of God is coming more on a regular basis in a corporate setting and in your individual lives. I want to take you to this and this is where I want to leave you. Hallelujah. Let's close the circle. Let's close the circle. Hallelujah. The glory began with God. And it ends in you going back up to God. Colossians chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. We're going to slow down. And let's, instead of the new living, let's, let's take a breath and do amplified. Let's, let's classic it. I love this. Colossians 1, 26, amplified classic. The mystery. In the old covenant, they didn't know it. When Jesus was on the, earth, on the earth, they didn't understand it. It was hidden. The mystery which was hidden for the ages. There was a mystery that was hidden from the very beginning. When the fall of Adam and Eve, God developed a mystery that only he could solve. There were clues about it, but people didn't understand it. The mystery which was hidden from the ages and generations 
from angels, the angels didn't understand it. What's a man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you visit him. We don't understand this man thing. From angels and men, but is now revealed to his holy people, the saints. Verse 27. Ooh, this cranks my tractor. To whom God was pleased to make known how great for the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ within and among you, the hope of realizing the glory of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ, the anointed one in you, an expectation of the manifestation of the glory of God. Verse 28. Him we preach and proclaim. Why do we preach and proclaim him? So he can demonstrate his glory. Warning and admonishing everyone and instructing everyone in all wisdom, comprehensive insight into the ways and the purposes of God that we may present every person mature, full grown, fully initiated, complete and perfect in Christ, the anointed one. Everybody say, it's Christ in me. It's Christ in me. The hope of glory. What glory? Is that, are those just words to you? Or do you understand that the Ark of the Covenant carried the gathered presence of God, which caused the sea to divide? The Ark of the Covenant, which blessed Obed-Edom. The Ark of the Covenant that David danced in front of when he brought it in. The Ark of the Covenant, when the enemy, the enemy in the, the old time, the Philistines had such reverence for the Ark of the Covenant. When the children of Israel began to shout, they said, oh no, the Ark is with them. Let's get out of here. They've got the ark. They're shouting over there in the camp. The ark of God must be with them. Let's go. Because they knew they were no match for God. The devil still knows he's no match for God. How does he know that? Because he's a defeated foe. The devil is not your problem. The devil is not your problem. What is, what is the problem? We got to know who we are. It's Christ in you. It's Christ in you. It's Christ in you, the hope of the manifestation of the very glory and power of God. Hallelujah.